The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence. Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on. Too busy to catch us on the afternoons on Talk Radio. Too many children to care for. Too many jobs to manage. Well, never fear. Help is here in the shape of the Matthew Wright podcast, where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you, you busy so-and-so. So sit back and enjoy the best of the Matthew Wright Show here on Talk Radio coronavirus and just how bad is it would pulling up the drawbridge closing schools for two months etc would it keep more of us safe i'm going to turn once again uh, for guidance to professor of medicine paul hunter up at the uh, uea the university of east anglia good afternoon to you paul good afternoon um things seem to have moved on a tad since we last spoke i mean there is there are mutterings from our chief medical officer about doing something serious um should we be doing something serious well, I, yeah, I think I would disagree with that we've only moved on a tad. The, the last week has actually seen quite a big change yeah. in the global pattern of the disease. It's continued to decline in China, but it is now really quite rapidly, in fact, exponentially increasing in uh, cases uh, globally. And we've got clearly the problem in Italy, South Korea, Iran, and, and also problems in Japan. Now, what we do at this about that at this stage is clearly um, uh, central to the, a lot of the government's planning at the mm. moment. I think we are still in the stage where we are containing. So we've got enough. We've got still got few enough cases in the country that we can actually try and identify them and manage them in a way that keeps them and delays the infection coming into the uh, public. Having said that, um, I think. Um, Unless something happens that we don't know, it is almost inevitable that we are going to see a fairly uh, widespread um, epidemic of this uh, this around Europe and and in Europe. And I, I, when that happens, we will move to what's called the delaying stage, where we will indeed cancel um, sporting events, maybe close schools, depending on 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 uh, the the conditions at the time Mm -hmm. and and the reason for that is not to prevent the epidemic because once it gets to that point we can't actually prevent it it the the value of delaying is so that the health services don't collapse under large numbers of cases and 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 possibly hopefully not but possibly fatalities um so um yeah, uh, travel restrictions um, at the moment may help delay things a little bit, but probably wouldn't do a great deal to prevent um, the epidemic. If China it, seemed yep. to, I mean, it certainly stood accused of yeah. um, underplaying the extent of infection um, at the beginning of the year, that, that they sort of came yeah. late to the party there. And then... I think to a lot of people's surprise, they took really drastic action, yes. quarantining, quarantining yes. whole cities, and the rate of infection is, is in decline there. And I, I am left wondering whether... I, I just detect an, an element, an understandable element of, of indecision at the moment about what, how far the British government should go. But I can't help but wonder that if we were critical of China of being slow off the mark... The virus got a sort of yeah. a foothold and then they managed to deal with it with drastic action. Are we not missing a trick? Are we, should well, we not be learning from that experience and actually going for drastic action now to prevent it getting a foothold? Well, um, there is a big difference 
And the big difference was that in China, there was a single focus of infection. So you the source. Percent, uh, the source in yeah. Wuhan. And so, you know, it was certainly plausible in the early stages of I the understand. infection that we could actually keep it there. Now it's spreading. The, we've got cases coming up all over Europe um, and uh, elsewhere in the world. And um, we're no longer at the point where there is really any chance that we can... Um, contain it within a few countries. Uh, draw, pulling up the drawbridge is okay, but then all that that impacts on our ability to feed ourselves, yes. our ability to import drugs and medicines into this country, um, uh, Could you... relies on any international trade. So you cannot... Um, uh, you know, it's not like we could sort of say stop coming from one country. It's it would it would have a huge impact on our ability to uh, do all sorts of things, like in fact just feed ourselves and and um, and and uh, bring in medicine. So um, yeah, it is it is difficult, um, but. Uh, and, and, and there's, sorry there's to cut no you easy op- option at this stage, I'm right. afraid. Well, I know we talked about this a little last time, but perhaps you yeah. could remind me and the listeners, because I'm still, in my mind, I can't quite rationalise why flu seems to kill many, many more people um, than this virus has so far. Um, yeah. And we take... And you explained it was because there's basically nothing we can do about flu. But it does Indeed. seem that, that, that we... That we, we, we don't I can't think in front of that. We don't, it's not that we don't care, but we accept yeah. that flu yeah. kills thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm just wondering. I still don't yeah. quite understand why we take such a, a, a more um, cautious view of this virus when it kills far fewer, has right. killed far fewer. So well, uh, but the number of people it's in, um, who infected then die is substantially greater than influenza. I mean, oh. it probably kills if you get an infection with um, this uh, COVID-19, you are um, subs- maybe 10 times more likely to die. So, okay, and, okay. And the, right. the, um, the problem at the moment is that if left to itself, we don't actually know what proportion of the people would be infected. There's no real build-up population immunity or herd immunity, as we sometimes call it, in, in human populations to prevent the spread of this infection. So we don't really know how widely it could spread. Some people have suggested it could affect up to about 60% of the world's population. And if that was the case, then we would see millions of fatalities. And I, I don't personally believe that it's going to be that bad, but that is certainly part of the um, range of uh, possible outcomes that people okay. have been modelling. Now, back in terms of our, our, our domestic situation, mm-hmm. I, I, just going back to the notion of sort of self-imposed quarantine or cancelling football matches yeah. and, and such like, how long would we have to have any kind of self-imposed quarantine to actually beat the virus? Flu, as I understand it, tends to die away sort of mid to late spring due to yeah. temperatures. Yes, and, well, uh, due to a variety of things, okay. you're quite right. Probably um, the fact that in summer it's warmer, people are outdoors more, schools are oh. often closed and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. um, so it may well um, die down um, and partially disappear during the summer. I personally, and, and what happened oh, with ours was that actually it then disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah. You know? um, although, you know, there are still viruses like it circulating in bats 
but I suspect that even if we do see a big dip in summer, it will come back in the winter. I mean, I can't, I don't know for certain. This is exactly what I wanted to hear. Well, not what I wanted to hear, it's what I wanted to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it's going to be I, with us for, for, for forever. I, I suspect so. The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. Drug use is at a record uh, with three million Brits taking illegal highs last year. Uh, the epidemic is supposed to be costing this country £19 billion. Just reflect on that figure for a moment. And killing something like 2,900-odd people a year. Uh, Dane Carroll Black found a considerable increase in children taking illegal drugs uh, and that government measures, has, measures to uh, rein in the problem have had limited success. What I found uh, really more startling than anything was the rate of consumption and the cost, the money that changes hands. And The Sun has provided a fairly easy table. Uh, If you look at cocaine, the average amount consumed per day of use is just under a gram by just under a million people who pay on average just over £2,000 a year for their pleasure. When you move to crack cocaine, you're down to under half a gram. You're down to 200,000 people, but the spend rises to over £6,000. And when you move on to opiates, uh, it's half a gram of daily consumption, typically used by more than 300,000 people. And this is where it gets interesting. I said earlier, it's, it's, if you look at this, it's, it's the opportunity to go burgling and, and mugging because uh, the average opiate user is spending over £12,500 on the drug per year. That's a lot of money. Um, I'm going to turn for guidance once again to the former undercover police officer Neil Woods, now chair of the Law Enforcement Action Partnership, something of a friend of this show, who, when we first spoke to him uh, in the early part of last year, told us that after decades of putting bad drug dealers behind bars, he felt he'd only made the situation worse. Neil joins us on the line now. Good afternoon, my friend. Are you OK? Good afternoon, yes. How are you? I love it. I'm very well, thank you. And, and nice talking to you again. Nothing in this report will come as a surprise to you, I guess, Neil? No, no. Not, not a shock at all. I think the interesting thing about this is the government set this report in motion. They appointed Dame Black to do it and actually made the parameters really narrow to try and get the answers that they wanted. And, but, of course, Dame Black is a pretty honourable and thorough person and uh, we've got the results we have today. Could you explain that in, in a bit more detail? How, how had the government tried to, to narrow the parameters? Well, to, to basically... It, the, the, the instruction was to investigate the drug's problem right, but without, okay. with, with, without any consideration for legalising or regulating products. So it's like looking for a solution, um, but removing any, any logic from it. Because the, 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 you, know, you can read this report and they, actually the solutions are very, very clear. Very clear. Well, I was going to say, in, in, term, in terms of the report, the data... All it's really telling us is is what drugs are being consumed in what quantities by how many people. And uh, there is nothing uh, I, I have seen so far um, to suggest how we deal with that. Well, if you look at just the heroin and, and the, the staggering figures of, of money which is consumed yeah. by heroin, you said that's the, av- the amount by an average. Yeah. Well, actually, 10% of the heroin consumers consume 50% of the heroin. So that's an average, but the extremes are extraordinary. So if you were to prescribe heroin to that 10% and look after them to rescue them from the exploitation of organised crime, you reduce that massively overnight. And that's what we used to do in this country. It's not 
even complicated. We don't, we don't, it doesn't even need, need a change in the law. It just needs a, an end to this moralising stupidity of trying to do the same thing over and over. Does, is, is there anything... Um, I guess something that struck me as newish uh, was the source of recreational drugs. Um, again, I, I doubt this will come as any surprise to you that just under half of uh, people who use drugs got them from friend, neighbours or work colleagues. 30% said they got them from dealers or strangers. Oh, I've no idea what his name is. I met him in a pub. Uh, and then there's um, there's a varying acquaintances, relations and so forth in, in ever-diminishing numbers. Does that give us any clue as to how to address the problem? Well, it's a clear indication that we'll never be, we'll, we'll never solve it by policing means. It doesn't it just? Yeah. The social supply aspect of that is growing all the time, and that will continue to grow. And to be fair, there's many people out there are drinking less because they're using different drugs. And if we're really honest and scientific about this, they're probably going to end up being healthy as a result of that decision. <laughs> so, you know, we, we, we can't sort of have this knee-jerk reaction and look at drug use as this terrible thing that the newspapers have been telling us about all these years, you know, because 90% of drug use is non-problematic. This is people doing what they want with their own mind and bodies. Do we really want to be trying to criminalise those people? The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio. Who needs a doctor in the house when you've got Dr Google on call 24 <laughs> hours a day, seven days a week? Uh, jokes aside, the diagnosis is serious. More and more Brits are shunning seeing a medical professional in favour of checking their symptoms online. When we're feeling under the weather, an astonishing two-thirds of us consult Google and then just sit back and hope we'll get better, which uh, sounds which kind of... Lot, I reckon in a lot of cases, people probably do get well, better, don't they? Yeah, but, 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 but also in a lot of cases one assumes they don't <laughs> and just sit there waiting well, for it. But it does solve it either way really doesn't it I suppose. I had a, a big spinal op seven, seven years ago in May and uh, when you saw what I was like leading up yeah. to I had back problems since I was a kid and bef- the last year I couldn't stand up straight and mm. I had pains in my arms, pains in my legs. Finally get, get admitted into hospital and I've got I think a, a day before they, they put me under the knife and I thought maybe I'll have a look at Dr Google. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, my God. I had that operation. I'm in a wheelchair. I had that operation. I'm now in permanent pain. I had that operation. I can't move my legs. It's awful. It's just terrible. very few people leave reviews of things when they've had a good... A good time. Do you know what I mean? Like, Very and, true. and you have to look at people basically reviewing their medical procedures, and that's what it is on Google, isn't it? But we all Google things. Like, I've had so many things where, um, you know, like I've had like a mark on my arm, and within three pages, I'm I'm dying. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. everything. That's it, isn't it? People that's, Google their their slight sniffle and, exactly. and conclude they've got green monkey. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. before you know it, I'm on a nasty. website telling me how to put my affairs in order <laughs> and all that. And you're like, oh yeah, okay. Well, that's, yeah, I'm going to call my mother and tell her I love her like that. And it's just because I've got a bit of eczema or something. You know. It's ridiculous how we all do this and like you know i'm looking into it obviously because you know, i'm a spokesperson for sega and they've got this new game two point hospital which is all about two, medical two, two points pi- two, two point, point hospital. hospital yeah and um, it's a game where you run your own hospital for profit like, so we could basically play at being health secretary like matt hancock pretty much with like loads of have you have you given him one because he, um, he could learn no but because i think they're going through um they're going through ministers so quickly <laughs> inevitably i will end up being health secretary and i've had all the practice on the game but you know none of us like going to the hospital in this country it's not like in America, they love going to the hospital, even though it costs them a fortune. They want their money's worth. But people, two-thirds of people, don't go to the doctors when they should, and they think something's wrong, which is madness. We've also changed the the, the rules and regs over doctors, haven't we? Because more and more people go to A&E, which leads to longer and longer delays there. Absolutely. Um, 
So what about some funnies? What, what funny ones have you uncovered? Well, loads. So, I mean, the thing is, they employed me. I'm not a former doctor or have no medical background. I want to say that now because there are some comedians Possibly that were doctors. Doctor. Oh, of course. Maybe. Yes, yes. Fingers crossed. Harry Hill. Harry Hill doctor, but yeah. I'm doing this because uh, compared to Harry Hill, I am affordable. Um, and uh, But I've been to A&E a lot Cheap. over the years. I've, I've broken seven bones. Have you? Yeah. Seven? I once, yeah, I once had two broken arms at the same time because I crashed my bike when I was a teenager and then with a broken arm went on a quad bike and crashed that and broke my other arm. So we went into the, I went into the doctors and I was like, oh, um, they're like, oh, you've got here to get that off. And I went, no, 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 it's, the, it's this one, actually. And then my mum had to really prove how much she loved me for six weeks and sort of, you know, do all See, the I've never all broken the business. a bone. Have you? Uh, one finger once. One finger. One finger. Once. I've done them all. Legs, arms, everything. The, but always in quite middle-class ways. So I once tripped over, a ski, I went skiing and I broke my leg. But not skiing. I was uh, walking down <laughs> some stairs to a fondue restaurant and I broke my leg. Always <laughs> oh, a dangerous thing. I is mean, that tr- that I is know, genuinely that's true. true. That is a true story. My, um, my ex-wife's mother, so my ex-mother-in-law, she went skiing and she broke her leg picking her bag off the carousel <laughs> on arrival at the airport. At arrival? Geneva. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Really, really badly. Really badly. Yeah, it's a dangerous sport, you know. <laughs> at prey ski. She and shouldn't pre- go off piste, you see. <laughs> exactly, very nasty. Yeah, so like, and I always, and there was another time, this is my most recent one, about three years ago, I broke my, I broke my ankle because I tripped over in a pottery cafe in West Hampstead. <laughs> I mean, well, that serves I you right. Again, I'm looking deep into your eyes. Is that true? Hand on heart, that is true. I, th- I know where and that we, place is as well. Uh, do you know exactly? <laughs> yeah, that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and the awful thing is, like, you know, I still googled if I'd broken my foot or not, and I'd broken it before. And like the person I was with at the time went, "We need to get you to hospital. You're clearly in a lot of pain." And I went, "No, no, no. Let's just double check the kind of pain this should be." And you know, even in that situation where I've broken something, I'm worried about taking up too much time. Do you think Google has ever thrown up an accurate diagnosis? of some really rare out there disease like was it green green mon- monkey, monkey disease, disease yeah. what's green monkey disease I don't disease? know it's a disease that you catch uh, in from Africa, monkeys that are green uh, and uh, it is connected to uh, monkeys you, okay. wow i mean are you so, a doctor kevin hmm? are you a doctor uh, no i'm an amateur doctor come <laughs> come to my surgery i can sort you we out we absolutely are and you know obviously doing this they've done loads of research uh, for when they launched this game but i do a lot cuz i go i gig you know i do stand up comedy and um, i'm gigging around the country and a few months ago i had a nurse in the front row of my show and i always ask nurses and doctors the same thing which is what is the weirdest thing you've ever had to remove from another person right, right? Okay. Um, our imagination can tell us where people decide to put <laughs> yeah. Yes. And um, this woman, without missing a beat, I went, what's the weirdest you. thing you've ever removed from a person? She went, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> and a man, and it's always a man. Poor Buzz. Had, you know, and, and I asked her, I went, what was the guy's excuse? And she went, well, I suppose you've got a friend in me. And that's what she genuinely said. I'm worried about what, what Buzz Lightyear thought of it. It's not very Buzz nice Lightyear. Fit. Well, the, the poor, when he comes back alive again, like with PTSD, telling Woody, being like, you will not believe where I've been. You don't see I've that been. in Toy Story, <laughs> no. do you? And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every weekday from one on Talk Radio. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.